Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Palmas. I am a wife, mom, author, and lifelong educator who has been doing some hard work for two decades. This podcast is about renewing hope, happiness, and belief in education. We get real and talk candidly about ways educators across the globe are working to uproot the education system and making transformational changes for all educators and students. And beyond the why and the what these transformational education leaders are doing, we get into the how you as an educator can drive toward these changes. I am here to take away the pain, exhaustion that too many of us feel day in and day out and rid ourselves of the question if we made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. So let's dig in and ignite the joy, passion, and belief all educators had when deciding to enter a career in education. And let's make some change. So much is possible in education. Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed podcast. With us today is Sheila Barote, and this is a fun story of how she came into my life. We both are Gabby Bernstein friends, and fans rather, and we are both a part of one of Gabby's communities uh, and had started writing a book uh, essentially at the same time, and some of us who are writing a book within that program became Insta friends and now basically talk every day in some capacity and support one another in our our online presence. And Sheila's work and content just spoke to me um, and speaks to me. And I found that I really wanted to have her on this podcast to share this extraordinary insight and wisdom she brings to the wellness of teachers. And I was sharing with Sheila, I don't even know if I knew that she had been an educator. And so it almost felt serendipitous because I actually don't think I knew that I reached out and said, you need to be a guest on this podcast because you have such insightful things to share with the education world. And so here we are, and I guess we've been hanging out since the summer. I want to say August uh, had been on a call once together, but this is our first real formal just conversation. And it's just such a pleasure to meet you in this space and to have you here. And so thank you. Thank you for being here. And I'll turn it over to you and any other additional introductions that you want to give our listeners. And also, of course, we want to hear your journey in education and what you're doing now. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kelly. It is such an honor to be on your podcast. I'm very excited to be here and it's a privilege. I guess my journey into education started uh, after I failed the bar exam because my my original journey was to be a lawyer. And I did graduate from law school. I took the bar a few times um, and didn't pass. And I came to a crossroads in my life, whether uh, I should continue on that path or go a different one. And I always enjoyed teaching and people would always tell me I should be a teacher because I loved kids and I loved English and passionate about it. So I decided to go to graduate school and get my master's in education. And I can't even explain how the first day I was in my class for education, I just felt at home. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I knew that my journey of going through law school was never a negative or regret because education to me is knowledge and powerful. And I loved that I got the education, but I never was able to really get ahead in it. And it was a lot of struggle. So, you know, the lesson I learned is when doors keep closing on you, you find one that's open. And that was education for me. Even my first- just standing there waiting open and just being like, stop taking the exam. Come, come, come hither. Yes. <laughs> it, it, when your soul is being pulled somewhere else. I mean, I think I, I really truly believe I was always meant to be a teacher. I think the road mm-hmm. I took led me to teaching and, you know, it's just part of me. And even my first day of teaching, I remember I was in the elevator with a friend of mine now, and he's like, oh, are you nervous? It's your first day, you know, and I was teaching eighth grade English. And I said, no, I feel really good. I'm really excited. And he's like, I don't think I've ever met someone on their first day of teaching excited. But with that said, I was also older going into the profession. So I was in my mid thirties. And I think when you're older, you have a little bit more wisdom and experience behind you. So it's not the first nerves that you get when you're right out of college, but you know, that was my journey. And that's what led me to teaching. I taught in Oak Park, Illinois at a middle school for nine years. And that's when I started to have some health issues, which, you know, we could talk about later, but, and then it led me to moving to California in 2016. And I'd always wanted to teach high school. You know, when I was in graduate school, I'm certified six through 12 and it was my desire to teach high school, but I ended up getting this amazing job at the place that I student taught at. And I loved my job. I loved teaching middle school, those kids and the community, but I I felt I I needed a change. So when I was making the move to California, I tried to look for high school teaching positions and I got one at an amazing school in Irvine, California, right near Newport where I was living. And I loved it. My students were amazing and it was wonderful, but there was a technicality and long story short, it it was a one-year stint and I had Mm -hmm. to go and get another certification to teach English language learners. Mm -hmm. And after that experience, I did get the certification, but breaking back into the system was very difficult. And Mm -hmm. I was just getting roadblocked after roadblock. I had so many interviews and things weren't working on. It made you question, makes me question, you know, my capabilities or my expertise or how good I was. And it started to really kind of grain on my Mm self-confidence to be honest, but you know, I, I persevere. I'm never going to stop. And I felt it was still meant for me to teach. And then I ended up getting a long-term sub position at a school, high school in the same district. Mm-hmm. And I was there and another kind of negative thing happened. They ended up going with someone else mid-years. It was a very, I don't, you know, to keep it on the up and up and to always go high and not say anything negative, but I, it was a very difficult experience for me because A lot of people were treated unfairly, not just me, but the students. And Mm -hmm. my view of how the students were treated and a lot of students not getting the um, education they deserve to have in that situation was just not right to me. And mm-hmm. so I was told it was about money. I was told that having a law degree and a master's degree and you know 12 years now of experience was too much and someone younger right out of school would be better. Mm-hmm. But that person did not abstain that year either, you know, they after the next year. So what their motive was, the administration, I really don't know. And I know I'm just not the only person that this happened to though. Mm-hmm. But it was a heartbreaking experience for me because my students loved me, that I had no parents loved me, that my my department chairs bought for me tooth mm. and nail. So there was something that was just not aligning. And 
my experiences have been in my life that when, again, those doors are shutting, with, which is out of my control, something is not aligned. Something is amiss and I'm supposed to go down a different path mm -hmm. and stop fighting it. So I let it go and it happened to be March of 2020 right mm -hmm. before COVID. And I thought it was really ironic, but I ended up taking that time. I was going to actually look for teaching jobs for the fall, but I ended up hiring a career coach and we talked about wellness and mm -hmm. I got into health and wellness because that's been my handicap is my health and wellness were compromised as a teacher. Oh my goodness. There's so much in there that I want to back from the obstacles and what that's taught you and where it has informed what you're doing now. And I think that's kind of what we're starting to uncover, but let's go back to the, how was health and wellness compromised as a teacher? Because I know that it's pervasive. We, we kind of talked about that at the beginning of our conversation before we started the podcast, but how, like, how did that show up in your world? What were you doing and what were you not doing? Well, I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. that um, I have always had health issues relating to stress. So I, I, you know, when you piece back your life, right? So in a nutshell, I, I was having, I had ulcers in high school, college. I started getting migraines in law school. Like when I was pat, when taking the bar exam, things like that, I was starting to get migraines. That continued for a while. And then things got a little bit better because I was going back to school and I was, you know, not as stressed and things were going well. And then my first few years of teaching were amazing. I, you know, I worked my tail off and enjoyed every minute of it. But I think it was probably about four years in, I started, like I was having um, a lot of pain. A lot, like I'd wake up in a ridiculous amount of pain. Mm -hmm. I would be exhausted, like to the point where I couldn't do much over the and weekend. And how many years then did you say this was? It was probably three to four. I was having the pain though a little bit before that because I think it was when I started teaching that I had been experiencing the pain mm -hmm. and I didn't know what it was, didn't have any idea. I mean, I was working out, I was exercising, eating well, but I also just noticed that I was gaining weight and then I was having just a lot of fatigue, obviously, and getting sick a lot. So I would catch everything the kids were getting. Mm -hmm. And it was to the point where I couldn't see straight because I was just struggling to survive, basically, to get to the end of the week, to recharge, to come back and do my job, to just fall apart on the weekend, sleep and get healthy so I could go back to work. And it was this horrible cycle. And every year during the winter, I would catch bronchitis, viruses, whatever it was the kids had, I caught it. Mm -hmm. And as you know, kids are in your face. They come very close to, they really don't. Even middle the, school. Even middle school. They don't have the physical boundaries, so you can't really keep them away. Right. But I, I finally started going to doctors and figuring things out. I got a team. I found out that I had fibromyalgia, mm -hmm. which was also uh, controversial because a lot of doctors still don't recognize that, but I know that's what it was. And mm -hmm. adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues. I started seeing an acupuncturist who really told me to stop eating dairy and gluten and all of those things helped me tremendously. I mean, I can't even explain to you all this help. I started seeing a naturopath doctor. So my health started to become a priority, probably my fifth year, fifth, sixth year into teaching. And I was starting to get better. And it was a trip that I took to Hawaii 
with a friend of mine that I just realized that I need to be in warm weather. I feel good. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started thinking about plans to move and I still didn't have that teaching health connection piece together, but it really kept happening to the point where in 2016, I got adult mono and Mm -hmm. I was out for three months. And that really was a wake up call for me because I'd never been that sick. And I was very scared because with the fibro and the adrenal fatigue already, my immune system was very compromised. So on top of it, it took me forever to get healthy. And my own doctor was not supportive at all. And it was difficult. And then I come back, I was, you know, being pushed to come back. And I was trying and I finally came back and I fell. A student was in the hallway and I was racing to go to the bathroom because it was testing. And I wiped out and hurt my shoulder and I was out a little bit more. It was, I mean, I was crying. And that was the only time I really have only not and broken down once at school. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I just, I, I was, a, I fell on the ground and I was crying and a teacher had to get me up. And I said, I want to go home and I don't want to come back. Mm-hmm. And that's a sad place to be as a teacher, because regardless of how it happens, you're alone so many times, you in your classroom, you're isolated in your environment, even more so in high school than middle school. But I think that the problem with that is it made me prioritize my health to go back to that situation. It made me want to move to California. I made a vow that I was going to move to a warmer climate and take my health as my number one priority. But, but it took you, it took me that to sick and falling in to, the hallway, right? Wake up and recognize there's something not right with me. And I'm not taking care of myself the way I should be because we, the thing that I really connect with so much with educators is we pour our heart and soul into our job. And I did too. And it was every, those kids were, they are what got me through. I did it. I did everything for them, you know? And I think that's in a way a double-edged sword because I think mothers are like that. And I think teachers are like that. Not that fathers and male teachers aren't as well Mm -hmm. in general, but you give your, you know, your heart to your, give everything for your job. And then you realize that no one's going to really pick you up if you fall and you can't help the kids. Cause I couldn't do anything for them if I was out either. So that made me realize, and I thought, okay, I'll go to California. I'll work for a year and then we'll see how it plays out. And it's ironic how I had written down that I will move to California, work at a high school for one year and then make a decision. And I was only there for one year. Mm. (laughs) And I really believe that those two years where I was subbing and just kind of getting my certificate, uh, CLAD certificate, renewed my health. I I was able to not be stressed out. I was Mm -hmm. able for the first time in 12 years to sleep in and to go outside and get fresh air and walk and run and exercise and eat healthy and put myself as a priority. And I hadn't done that. I hadn't probably hadn't done that my whole life as a lot of people can probably say the same thing. So I think that in retrospect, that time off is what really healed me. And I was able to just inter, you know, and introspection and self-reflection and really focus on my health. And when I hired the career coach, that's how we kind of got to this topic is that my passions were health and wellness. Mm -hmm. So besides the fact of writing a book and being an author, but you know, that's how it kind of came into play. And so I decided to get certified as a holistic health coach. And 
I should be done next week and it'd be a full certified holistic health coach. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. And will you specialize in health and wellness for educators or will you be holistic for anyone? That's a great question, Kelly, because I think initially I was trying to figure out my niche and who I was here to serve. And it's just starting to kind of come to light that I think my passion is to be a holistic health coach for educators. Mm -hmm. I would love to give back and give back to teachers, especially, you know, obviously students are, you know, I have a passion for helping students as well, but I think that school districts are doing a, a good job right now in helping with that to become the forefront. So I think teachers and even administrators, anyone in the teaching profession needs more health and wellness tools mm -hmm. so that they can stay in the classroom and that there isn't burnout and that there isn't uh, teacher attrition. Because, you know, when you get to the point where you're struggling so much and you feel, I, I know I always somehow felt unsupported. My colleagues were always my number one supporters. I, I mean, teacher friends are friends for life. You know, I have my friends from day one of teaching. I'm still friends with them. And same here in California. So I love teachers, but I, I've seen a lot of teachers unhappy and a lot of teachers end up leaving. And I'm not the only one that this is the story. So how do we change the story instead of keep repeating? Here's another story of the same situation. Here's another example of the same situation. How can we now change it? So we hear, you know, I was going to leave, but I got these amazing wellness tools and I got self-care help and techniques. And now I'm able to incorporate holistic health and wellness into my classroom with my students, with myself at home. And I'm a better mother, a teacher, everything, whatever it is. That's what we want to see. I would want to see that. Well, and I think to, to that point then, and especially as you're getting the certification and having probably put these into practice to obtain that certification. What are some things that you advise teachers to be doing for that holistic wellness piece through your soon to be coaching practice? Well, you know, obviously as a holistic health coach, you, everyone is an individual. So you have to assess each one individually and see what their issue is or, or stress problem. But let's just say generally stress is the main issue for most people. So if you are stressed out, you know, a lot of, I think the, one of the things that I can only speak from experience, what I was doing is rushing to work because the bell rings. So you can't be late and you lose the the chaos and chaotic, you know, movement of getting to work. And then as soon as you're in the classroom, chaos starts with the students and they come up to you and they have questions. And there's never really a moment where you can take a breath, regroup your mind and your body and teach in a calm way. It's usually like frenetic. So mm -hmm. I would say that if there was a way to practice, you know, a little meditation or mindfulness in the moment, and it can it can be as little as two minutes. You could do it in the car right before you walk into the building. It doesn't have to be, you know, in the morning. Cause I understand that everyone, you know, has the time in the morning to sit there. They have to get up their kids and, you know, get to work and do all these things. So I really feel that just having a moment to take for yourself, something I would probably tell teachers is set an intention daily of how you want to see your day. 
Do you want it to be full of peace and ease? Do you want a calm day? Do you want a joyful day? Do you want to connect with your students today? Whatever it is, but set an intention and go in it with a mindful attitude. And I think incorporating that with the students can help too. A, a friend of mine who I was just with, she's a teacher and she has implemented uh, wellness activities every day. And mm -hmm. you know, the kids of course at first like, no, I don't want to do this, but but now they look forward to it. And I think that that would be an amazing way to start. But, you know, to just continue, I think gratitude and intention setting reflection, just even taking just some time throughout the day, teachers, that I think there's just so many things that they can work on. I know eating, there's never lunchtime. You, you have kids in your lunch period, or you have kids in your classroom during lunch. So you're, you're what shoveling a salad, you know, in 10 minutes and running to the bathroom and getting back. And so that's not self care. We don't have the luxury of a lot of time, but even if we had 15 minutes of alone time, which is that would be, I think helpful and meal planning. I think there's just so many things that can go on. And the last piece that I will mention is that one of the things that as a young teacher that I always did was I would check my email at nine o'clock right before I'd go to bed. Mm -hmm. I was always checking my email because I never wanted a parent to not be getting a response from me because I was very type A and, you know, and I can't, I can't stand seeing emails just sitting there. It was, it was stressing me out. So my, you know, therapist was like, you need to stop at 5 p.m. That's the end of your day. You have 24 to 48 hours to respond to any parent. So going in with that, setting that boundary as well was things that you can tell teachers to do that can help them. But as I said, I mean, these are all very general and basic things. So an individual teacher may have a specific problem that, you know, I could help them with. I love all of those. And it's making me think a couple things. So I'll just share really quickly. One, as an, a school administrator, I know that my day is busy. You know, I think you had even mentioned like there's there needs to be health and holistic um, support for administrators, teachers, anyone in the education profession, especially right now. But I I do try at least for one of our grades, and sometimes it's inconsistent. But I I feel like you're giving me permission to be like, oh, so long as I get in there three days a week, you know, I, I feel okay about that because that means three days, even if it's twenty minutes. I love being able to send a group of teachers out to go sit in collaboration and community with one another. And I know the teachers appreciate that and they want to do that more. And so for other admin who are thinking about that, that like sacred time of lunch, I, I know I need to do better that for that for my teachers, of that for my teachers. So thank you for that reminder. And I do give myself a hard time. So if I could do it at least three days a week, I'm going to keep trying that. And for ad admin who are out there listening, let's do better with this. The other thing that I just think as an administrator, I have to do a better job of modeling is the checking of the email and rather the sending of the email. It is so easy because the day is so busy and the, the grind and all of that, that I don't get to my email sometimes until 9 p.m. And that's when I'm sending them. And for my, my teammates who are teachers who are listening to this and for other teachers, like I'm giving you permission, whether you need my permission or not, to not respond. It is okay. I'm not going to be upset or offended. If I really need to get a hold of you, I will figure out a better time or a better means of communication. But I just, 
these are just good reminders for myself to support the modeling of my teachers and what they need to sustain. The other thing, Sheila, that I'm really thinking about, especially you as a coach, I can share, we can share this on a podcast. We can say, let's meal plan this week. And I will have everything in my heart and mind to meal plan this week. And then something happens. I'm too tired or whatever. And probably that's the advantage of having a coach, you know, is to hold us accountable to these very things. And so I'd love to hear from your standpoint, what do you do as a coach to help people infuse these? Because yes, they're very general. They're also very important. And not only is Sheila Barat telling us about them, Kelly Pomus is telling people about them sometimes holding myself true to this, sometimes not. So yeah, speak to the coaching part of this and why it's going to be and or could be very helpful for educators to stay in this work by having this accountability partner. Well, that's a great question, Kelly. And I just wanted to just circle back really quickly when you were talking about the email, you know, when an administrator sends something, you know, it's okay for administrators to send emails at 9 p.m. I think what teachers need to learn if you are an anxious teacher and you you like to respond or you want to check or you feel, oh, if I don't check my email, my administrator will be upset or I need to know. It's it's how you respond. You don't have to. You're not doing anything wrong by not checking your email at 9 p.m. as a teacher. You can go to work in the morning and check it and everything is still going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's the way you approach it. And I know I used to feel so anxious that, oh no, what will they think of me if I don't respond right away? And that's, that part needs to, if you change the way you think about it, I think because mm. you're going to respond, it just doesn't have to be immediate unless it is an emergency, which right. I can only talk to what I would probably do. So for instance, you know, with the meal planning myself, what I used to do is, and I have to also remember too, you know, it was just me. So if there is a, a woman or a man who is feeding a family, you know, obviously meal planning is going to look a a little bit different, but I do think it's about prioritizing. So we all at some point have to get groceries. So make being organized. So what day of the week are you going to get the groceries? You or your husband or you alone? So if that's Saturday morning or Friday night after work or Thursday, whatever it is, set a schedule to get the groceries, have a plan of what you're going to make for the week. So I would, you know, help someone do that and make sure that at least they get that organized. And then there has to be some time where you can plan and make the meals. So you could weekend is the ideal time Mm -hmm. to make um, one pot meals, soups, or, you know, defrost the chicken or whatever it is that you need to do. But the more you do during the weekend, the less stress you'll have in the week. So, and I think for me, you know, what I would want teachers proper nutrition during the day, I, there would be many days where I wouldn't eat and you're exhausted by 3 PM and you come home and eat, and then you just don't end up working out or it's just an unhealthy pattern. Mm -hmm. So it's breaking the unhealthy habits by seeing, you know, where, where's the problem. So if you're saying I don't have time over the weekends, you know, then how can we make time? Where can we find the time? Because nutrition is important to your physical and mental well-being. If you're not getting enough nutrition, you're not getting enough good foods, that's going to slow you down and make you feel sluggish. And a lot of other health issues can come into play if you're not taking care of your health that way. That's how I would want to hold them accountable, you know, having sessions where you check in, 
once a week or email, you know, when they can reach me and let me know what I can do to help them. But I think a lot of it is depending on the actual client and what they want. But I think if it's, you know, something like that, that's how I would approach it. I love all of that. And I think it just makes me want to be like, okay, Sheila, adopt a bunch of my teachers. So they have this accountability and, and are caring for themselves. And something that's really just resonating with me in this moment is proper nutrition. And COVID was great for me in terms of the pandemic that I started using an app to really track my eating and realizing, wow, I consume a lot of horrible things. And up until we came back in person, which was last April, I had, was down 23 pounds. I was, I was back to my college weight. I was doing amazing yoga poses because my body allowed me to. I was playing with my boys for hours on end. And then I got back to the school and then all of that plus some came back and I started sleeping more poorly and just there were just so many things. And so that nutrition piece is so critical and it's just really resonating with me because I can feel it and I can see it in addition to breaking unhealthy habits. And so now I'm having to reshift my mindset being back at school and every day, you know, my husband, my boys and I, every Saturday, we sit down and we meal plan and every day I make my salad and I might put tuna in it one day and croutons in it the other day, but just like to give, you know, but I know I have to do that. And so it's giving me ideas of how I can also support our teachers. I think It's also making me wonder, Sheila, like, let's go back to that fifth year of teaching when you were like, whoa, in overdrive and your body was saying stop and you were like, go, 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 go. So let's, let's go back to that teacher, Miss Burrow, 2005 and tell us about what would a day look like then for you? Because I also know you're considering going back to the classroom, which we can get to, which I love and I'm excited to talk about. But yeah, what would what would a day or a week look like in Ms. Barot's life, knowing what you know now? I wasn't so bad about the healthy eating because I, you know, always, you know, weight was always an issue. I, I know that, you know, I was kind of stuck. So I had a trainer. I would try to work out. However, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do it consistently. But the food, I was trying to eat better. I was eating gluten and dairy at the time, which I didn't know. But I would make oatmeal, still cut oats. And I would do that on Sunday and I would eat that for a few days. I would take it and eat that in the morning. So I'd have Mm -hmm. something. I would always have some kind of sandwich or something. So I had that going. What I didn't have going though, is I would come home and stress eat, Mm. uh, which I think a lot of people do either at work or after work, which for me, I could never eat in front of the kids freely. I just, and I wasn't a big I don't like to eat a lot when I'm working. So I tend to starve and then I'll eat. Mm -hmm. So you come home and you eat poorly or you stress eating because of the emotional problems. So that was um, one of the things. The other thing, no boundaries. Uh, Whatever anyone asked me to do, I would do. um, I had probably a lower self-esteem because I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to go over and beyond to be the best, not necessarily because I wanted accolades, but because I had this own expectation of myself. I felt, oh, I'm not doing enough. I need to be better. I want to be better. So not saying no to things, trying to do everything. And I also stayed late. I, this was probably my second or second year, maybe second or third year. I remember being there till 11 
grading, mm. you know, and entering in grades. And I was the only one. And I was always, even at my high school that I taught here, I was always the one of the last people to leave. And it felt like a badge of honor for me. Mm. And it's not a badge of honor to stay that late. But I didn't want to necessarily take the work home. So I would try to just, you know, get everything done. I think the one positive thing I did was I could walk into my classroom and I'm ready to go because I'm not a morning person. So if I walked in at 7.20, at 7.45, I'm, I'm ready. But I would stay till five, you know. So I think that that's good and bad. I think that, you know, managing your time is what needs to happen at that point. I don't know if I was managing my time. I probably wasn't as good about that. And I think that... I definitely know I was not taking care of my well-being. I wasn't also organized because I'm a procrastinator at heart, mm. which is not good for a teacher, especially when it comes to grading and things like that. But mm -hmm. it causes more stress. I think the majority of my issues, Kelly, came from my the way I handled stress, the way I manage stress, the, the lack of prioritizing my own health and not being aware also of that this is bad it's not good to stay at work until nine, or it's not good to be checking your email all the time or being on your phone late at night or going to bed at 1130. Those things aren't good for you because you need sleep. You need to eat well, you need to exercise all of those things. And you need to have a good mindset. I know, I know anything about having a pot. I mean, I was positive. I was always an optimistic person, but the way I think about mindset now is so different than the, the way I was then. So a lot has changed. Mm, thank you for sharing all of that. I really love that you don't have to prove yourself and you're here, you're doing this work and your students need you. And if we're exhausting ourselves to prove ourselves, we're not actually fully showing up for our students. No, we're not showing up for them and we're not showing up for ourselves. That's, mm -hmm. that's the piece. That's why wellness and healthcare, like taking care of teachers is so important because if you can't show up for yourself, you're not going to be able to show up for the students. And that's why you're there. You need and want to show up for your students. So for you to do that, you have to be able to show up for yourself and prioritize your own health. I think about mothers all the time who are just selfless and give and give and give to their kids, but then there's nothing left for them. Mm -hmm. And are you really then being the best mother you can be or best teacher you can be if your soul cup is empty? You can't. And it feels selfish. And I think, and I'm not saying this just, you know, for women, but I think a lot of women are so selfless and it's, it is like a badge of honor, you know, that you, oh, I give everything for my job, but it shouldn't be. And this is the other piece I forgot to mention, but a part of your identity, you are more than just your profession. That is a big lesson I learned. Mm. I identified my self-worth with my job. So when I would, you know, put everything into my job for my kids, it was, that gave me self-worth and yeah. self-confidence. And that's not, that we should be whole and complete on our own and bring that to the table. Mm -hmm. And it's icing on the cake that what we do for students, because obviously the, we all want to serve. We all want to help people. We're, that's why we're in the profession, but it doesn't have to be our identity and the only measure of the good that we do in this world. Before I leave us with the final question, is there anything else that you just want teachers to know? Um, the final question being, you know, what hope can you provide teachers right now? And, but before that, just anything else that we should be thinking about as we are thinking about being a burned out profession? Yeah, it's unfortunate because of 
how many teachers have left the profession since COVID. There's been a lot of trauma in our world and it's affected, I think, education, particularly for students and teachers. So my hope, well, before I get to the hope, I also, I know you mentioned the community piece of you know, the lunchtime with teachers. Community is so important. Collaboration, Mm -hmm. support, knowing that there's some support in place for teachers. I was just reading an article about like a calming room. I used to think about, there are teachers I know, because I've done it. I had to go sit in my car to just get a moment of of just mindfulness. I don't know if we necessarily have to, I mean, if we can, that's great. But if we could find a place, I wish that was just somewhere you could go and just take a moment. Usually it's the bathroom. That's where we go to take Mm -hmm. our moment. But that having a piece like that in place or starting a meeting, you know, with a mindfulness moment or an intention setting moment or a gratitude moment, I think all of those things can just create a culture of, I see you, I recognize you. I, I know that you come to this class or to this school with issues and your own home issues or your own problems, but you are showing up for these kids and for the school Mm -hmm. and you're making a difference. And just even acknowledgement can go so far. And I think that piece is missing. It's a humanity piece that, Mm -hmm. and it's not the administrator's fault. It's not like they're doing it intentionally or with malice. It's, It's unintentional. But if we were to be more mindful in, you know, in that respect, teachers, I think will feel more appreciated. Mm. if they're seen because we're we come to school with trauma too you know we come to school with financial issues or people who are sick or you know taking care of family members there's so many things that teachers are juggling so it can be mentally distressing and if you feel there's no support and you're and you're not taking care of yourself you you feel like you're drowning and and that's what leads to the burnout and that's mm. what i would like and my hope would be to avoid that because Teachers are the best and I love teachers. And I just think that it makes me sad to see so many teachers leaving and even young people not wanting to go into the profession. So if we could create a culture in education because they do this now in businesses and corporate wellness, having a program and giving employees like fresh air time and getting out of those fluorescent lights, just incorporating a culture in the school where you know we can't get paid more which is ideally what would be awesome. But if we can't, appreciation and not just a lunch on Teacher Appreciation Day, which is not a bad thing, don't get me wrong, but something more meaningful that you are seeing. I, I will say, honestly, getting, you know, little notes and things like that can see, you know, that you're seen and heard, but actions need to follow up with that as well. So I think really incorporating a lot of the holistic practices of, you know, mindfulness and a meditation moment or gratitude or reflection moment for teachers can really just give them a sense of, okay, we're all in this together. I'm not isolated on a raft. And if I go down, I know that my administrator will support me as opposed Mm to, well, you're not showing up. So you're going to be let go, which Mm -hmm. is what I've experienced. If you can't show up, you're out. And well, teach me, show me how I can stay then. Mm -hmm. Support me. me. Yeah. I will do it. Just give me a little 
support, encouragement, you know, a time where it's not just loading more and more. I don't know how, as an administrator, you probably know, I don't know how we can avoid that, where it's just, it seems that there's just more put on teachers. And the more the teachers say, yes, I'll do it, the more keeps going on them. So it's only those who say, well, I can't, I've got to pick up my kid at school. But what about someone who doesn't have a kid to pick up at school? They have to stay and do it. And, and ex- so how do we work through that? There, there, I think there's a lot of layers, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just the wellness piece, my hope for educators is that they can incorporate some wellness techniques and tools from the administrator down through meetings and things like that. And then in the classroom with the students. I think that would create a a better atmosphere. Sheila, thank you so much for being a guest. This is just so much extraordinary insight and so applicable to so many people within the education system. So I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am to have had you on. Well, I am so honored and grateful to be on here to share this journey with you and to show up and support you as well in what you're doing and the mission that you have to inspire teachers and to renew teachers' faith in the profession. So mm-hmm. blessings to you. That's awesome. Before we head out, where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram on Sheila Barrow. 23 on Instagram. I also have my own website, SheilaBarote.com, which I'm updating at the moment. So it'll be up and ready to go soon with my coaching practice there as well. Thank you, Sheila, for joining us today. Here are the takeaways from today's episode. One, give yourself permission to take time off and take care of yourself. Two, educators need more intentional health and wellness to be able to sustain an education. Three, give yourself a moment and give yourself permission to stop checking your email at all hours. It can wait. Four, if you are burning out and need to renew yourself, it begins with breaking bad habits. Ask yourself, where is the problem and tackle it? Five, staying late should not be a badge of honor. Six, the majority of our issues come from how we manage stress. Consider how you manage stress and then find support and ways to tackle it productively. Seven, you are more than just a profession. And eight, community is critical for teachers. Find your community and ensure you are there to support and uplift one another. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at teacher underscore renewed and be a part of a community that is working collectively to support educators to make education better. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.